Welcome back to the Why So Serious Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. Uh, Rashani is back as usual. Well, it's not as usual because we've been in the pandemic. But uh, we're getting back into our movie reviews. So, of course, you know me and Rashani do these movie reviews. And this, and also this week, and hopefully he'll be on for quite a few more reviews this year. Doing a little collaboration with my man Jeff from Jeff vs. the World Podcast. What's going on, Jeff? What up? What up? Rashani, how are you? In the midst of this pancetta, um, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, my son is healthy, wife That's is healthy. Good. Got the second, uh, got the second vaccine shot, and nothing fucking happened to me. <laughs> like everybody else, talk about dropping like flies, and I had a fever and radiating in my body and everything. And I guess I'm just Bruce Willis and unbreakable because I didn't feel <laughs> shit. Jeff, did you have like, to go was- for your job too? Uh no, nah, <clears throat> up here in New York, we can I can I can get my start getting mine on the seventeenth. So okay, uh, I'm gonna set it up and get my shots and do all that good stuff. Man, just remember, don't take any um, ibuprofen or Motrin before you take the shot. The second shot, the first shot, just makes your shoulder feel sore, like a like a like a flu shot or a tetanus shot. Uh, the second shot is the one that's supposed to be laying folks out, but it didn't hit me like that because I guess I'm just built different. <laughs> Well, I hope I have your luck. <laughs> so, yeah. But you know what? For real, Jeff, the thing about it that irritates me is the things that I don't want to be lucky on, I get lucky on, but I never win the lottery. Like, I don't feel anything when I get a vaccination and I expect to feel it, but I never win the lottery. I'll be sick. Just give me a cool million. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're back. Um what are we review? Oh, I totally forgot. We are reviewing Coming to America 2. Um, the sequel to Coming to America. <laughs> uh, hold on. Is this movie just called Coming to America? Yes. Coming yes. to with actual number with two. With the number two. Yes. Okay, so this is just called Coming to America. So it's not even Coming to America 2. Right, I just no, it's that. Coming to America, Electric Boogaloo. No, this that's it. <laughs> so <laughs> the synopsis of this film according to IMBD is the African monarch Akeem learns he has a long lost son in the United States and must return to America to meet this unexpected heir and build a relationship with his son I mean that's part of the movie I guess um, usually we'll start with just some overall thoughts Jeff what do you think about this film Um, the movie was fine it was a fine movie. It wasn't, I don't think it was what people built up in their minds and it wasn't, it's not as bad as people trying to say it is. It was a fine movie. Um, I think what a lot of people are missing is that basically the movie isn't really about Eddie Murphy. The characters that he built, yeah, they're in there and you know, that's for the older people who saw it 30, 30 years ago or whatever, but it's basically about the son. I guess, what's the actor's name? Um, Jermaine. Jermaine Fowler. Wow, yeah. It's pretty much his movie. And he doesn't bring the same swagger, if you want to say, that Eddie Murphy brought. Because the movie's about a fish out of water. So it was him going to, uh, was it Zamunda? Zamunda. Yeah, him going to Zamunda and, you know, learning about everything and stuff like that. And I don't think, I, well, I think to me that was the biggest problem with the movie is that 
it just didn't hit. I don't know if it's, I don't blame the actor himself because I thought he did a fine job of what he was given, but I just think he may have been the wrong actor for it. It's something about him that just didn't capture me. Uh, and then another thing, the movie was PG-13. I mean, when we saw uh, Coming to America, it was rated R. So, you know, they pushed the envelope as much as they could for a comedy in that time. This one was like, no, we want everybody to watch it, which is fine. You know, on Amazon Prime, you know, you can have the kids watch it or whatever. So, yeah, it was just a fine movie. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know what? That just reminds me. I'm so mad I didn't play Ludacris as the opening to this. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, but Rashani, what do you think about it? I think it would have been a lot better if um, it had came out in the movies and hadn't been on Amazon Prime. I could think of a lot of things that COVID has actually improved, you know, as far as just the way, not, you know, just the way that people live their lives, like working from home, people found they could telework and, and, and people found they could open up their own businesses and, and do like food delivery or whatever it may be. A lot of people were able to uh, find other endeavors. Um, one thing that I don't like is the fact that with COVID, the movie theaters closed. So when a movie comes out, everybody's able to watch it on the same day and everybody wants to get their hot takeout you know, immediately, um, because the hot takes for Coming to America, Coming to America was an okay movie. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything groundbreaking. It wasn't anything amazing. It wasn't anything great. It was, it was an okay movie. Like if it came on TNT back in like 89, 90, 91, I'd sit down and watch it and I'd laugh at parts and, and it would be cool. But because everybody watched it, because this movie has such a pedigree, people expected it to be the end all and be all. They expected it to be an event akin to when Black Panther came out. Mm -hmm. And when it wasn't an event akin to what Black Panther was, people started making it a, an event akin to what Black Panther was by pitting people against themselves. Like, if y'all didn't like coming to America the way I liked coming to America, you must not like Black people. You must have wanted... Prince Akeem to leave his son behind and you wanted his son to never know his real father and all this kind of stuff. And dude, it's a comedy. It's a comedy. It, it's not as good as the first one. A lot of people said that they, well, why would you expect a sequel to be better than the first movie? Because I've seen sequels that were literally better than the first movie. It happens. It can be done. I can have that expectation, but the takes were just too hot. Me personally, I agree wholeheartedly with Jeff. The character who played um, the son, Lavelle. Lavelle. He just, I mean, I don't, maybe if I saw him, not, it's not even if I saw him somewhere else. I could think of people who I would feel have played that role better. Starting with the dude from Superfly. How oh, about it? God. <laughs> the dude, oh, my the dude God. who was in Superfly, the, he, he has an actual swagger. This yeah. kid had a deer in the headlights look for this entire movie. Like this is his first movie. No, if he would have been in this movie, I mean I I agree with you on his uh, uh his aura, his acting ability, but if he'd have been in this movie, I'd have been done cuz I can't not see him as uh, as um what the hell was his name? Not Prince. See? Priest. Priest. <laughs> priest. I cannot see him not see him as priest. Ever. And if it's not going to be him, then that dude like we have so many young folks 
so many young actors who have been in other black movies who aren't big names like John David Washington is angling for because the kid who, Jesse T. Usher, who played in Shaft, he could have done it. I know these two. I know their acting acumen. I know that they're comedic. The jokes that Lavelle did didn't always land. And I think it's because of the way that he pushed it. Like it just didn't, he was literally the weakest part of this movie for me. And that's saying something because Tracy Morgan is in this movie and I don't, I don't get it. Tracy Morgan, I just don't. You don't get his comedy. I don't. But the (laughs) thing is, he didn't write these lines. Somebody else wrote them. So, you know, I can, I can under, I can accept him on this one. Somebody wrote Lavelle's lines and he just wasn't able to bring them out the way that he should have. I think I, I think I know the actor that could have played the son very well. And I think we would have really enjoyed it. And it's Brandon T. Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think he would have did a. Re- I think th- this was more his style of comedy that you know he could have conveyed. It was just something about the guy that you know just didn't. It was just didn't connect. And like I said, you know, other than that, like we say, it's just a fine movie. Like don't you can watch it and put it on and everything's fine and. Yeah, you were for laughing a couple of things here, and there. but I thought Wesley Snipes was outstanding. Oh yeah, again, he was Snipes give that dude his flowers and then give him a base for him too because he, woo, so that dude is on the uprise. Every scene he was just chewing it up, and I'm just like, I didn't care about anybody else, and I was just paying attention to what he was doing because he was hilarious. So um, um, I thought this movie. Well, here's the thing. When people say this movie was never going to be the sequel, never going to be better than the first, it's not that they're saying there was never going to be a sequel can't be better than the first. It's that this movie was never going to be better than the first in the sense that people were never going to say this movie was better than the first because the first has nostalgia. I know Shahid talks about this mm-hmm. all the time on Hood Classes with Jeff, but nostalgia is like a, it's like, like a hell of a drug. Like nostalgia gets people. And so... That also leads to me why you get some of the overreactions to this film because certain people, there's one side of people who are just, they love everything coming to America. So this was going to be, no matter what this was, this was going to be great to them because they got to see James Earl Jones and Eddie Murphy and Semi and Sherry Hedley, Hedy and, every, and everybody else was there. So you got to see all of them and this was going to be great. And then for another group of people, it was never going to live up to what that was. And so you're going to pick and nitpick every little thing that you don't like about the movie and say it's trash and it's horrible. When the reality is just like both of you guys said, it was a fun movie. Like the movie was fun. I smiled and laughed at parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, like <laughs> um, Wesley Snipes was absurd in this film <laughs> like just <laughs> he was just absurd also was the country that the woman from the first film always next doria because i don't I remember it being called next doria i think they just made that up to give yeah. it a name but to give it that's the problem i have with this movie that is the problem like all the actors okay cool Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall playing like 30 roles, used to it. Cool. What I had a problem with was the writing was lazy. How is the state next door to you called Next Doria? 
comedy. How does that work? <laughs> how do you? How, okay, so here's what they did. Here's here's how I picture this happening. While they were writing Coming to America, they were on a really, really, really good jag. They were they were on a on a roll, and then they hit a rough spot, and then so they stopped writing Coming to America, and Black Panther came on. So they threw the Dora Milaje into Coming to America, and then uh, Creed came on. So they wrote a movie about a kid who never knew his father, but wanted to you know always wonder what his father would be like, and it's just all this hodgepodge of movies that became this one movie, and so it became disjointed. In my opinion, this movie would have been so much better if they had just had Lavelle as a side character and focused on the daughter. Because mm. she Not was wrong. badass. Well, she's she great. Was she dope. was in um, If Bill Street Could Talk. Yes. So, like, um, but here's the thing. You said something about this being the movie theater. This absolutely... Right now, this is at fifty uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes sense based on the reaction that you've seen. If this movie was in the theaters, it would absolutely be higher than this mm-hmm. for at least for the audience score, because people, black people, would like. I can imagine going to see this at a Magic Johnson theater with a bunch of fifty to sixty-five year old black people who were fucking dying in the theater just having a ball watching this shit like i can imagine mm-hmm. that like i can picture that going on and that being a communal experience the thing that people always say about movie theaters is like oh we can just watch in the house and you know what for most movies that's 100 percent correct like 90 percent of the movies that come out i'm just like i'd rather not leave my house i can just watch it at home but there's like 10 percent of movies whether it's like a marvel movie or like a fast furious movie or like a communal movie, like something like this, like a black movie where you want to be around other black people to watch it, where you just don't get that same feeling watching it at home. Um, Dude, side note, I just went and tried to watch Hobbs and Shaw again. And remember, we did a review on that for this show. Watching that movie in the movie theater with everybody watching the, the motorcycles going underneath trucks and everybody freaking out and stuff is a different experience than watching it at home by yourself. <laughs> I loved Hobbs and Shaw. Maybe I should watch that again to see what you're saying. I had a lot of fun with that movie. Me uh, too. And then I was like, mm. but it's like this. This movie, I think that the the score would have been higher just because people would have watched it in their own way and taken it in their own way instead of like I said, everybody wanting to get their takes out there because getting your takes out there is quite possibly like tainting the jury pool before a trial like now you've already read a take on twitter or on facebook or whatever it may be so now you're like okay my mind's already shaded this way i saw something on av club and now my mind's already shaded in this direction instead of just enjoying the absolute stupidity of the fact that wesley snipes is the brother of the sister who was supposed to marry prince akeem in the first movie and Prince Akeem told her to bark like a dog because she said, I'll do anything for you. And so 20 years later, she's still barking like a fucking dog <laughs> because he never came back and told her to stop. <laughs> that is wild to me. I, I, you know what? The more I hear you guys talk, I think you guys are right. I think if this was... If we could go to the movies and go see this, it would be a different experience. And the way that people are talking about the movie now would be 
after DVD and digital release. Yeah. Like, ah, mm-hmm. uh, it was okay. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, it was, you know, it just didn't. Because another thing too is, it, a lot of people don't go to the movies at the same time. So that second week or that Saturday and Sunday, oh, you should go see it. Oh, you should go see it. You know, some people just curious. They don't care what they hear. They're going to go see it. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it would have been better, you know, seeing it in the movie theaters than, you no, know, here you go right on TV. But, you know. Because, Jeff, somebody, somebody in the making of, it, while you're sitting there watching the movie theater, you know at least one black person would have screamed out, he never came back and told her to stop jumping and barking like a dog. <laughs> and then everybody would have got the joke and a second ripple of laughter would have went through the entire theater. Fuck it. It would have been me. It would have. But, you know, it. we didn't get that experience. We're being robbed of opportunities because of COVID. Let's... Uh... Yeah. Let's talk about uh also, you know, it's like like Black Panther was fucking great and fantastic. But if Black mm-hmm. Panther was Doctor Strange, which means Doctor Strange wasn't a bad movie, it was a good movie, but it wasn't it was a great okay. movie. Yeah. If yeah. Black Panther was Doctor Strange, it still would have been Black Panther. Because it was gonna be Black it. Panther regardless of what <laughs> unless it was terrible. It was gonna be that regardless of how actually great it was, right? So that's kind of we was gonna was. make it magic. We gonna make it do what it do, baby. Before you start talking about whatever you got to talk about, Brandon, let's discuss the fact that um, okay. So the one thing that you need to know in this movie is that James Earl, James Earl Jones is in this movie. They try to bring everybody back. The only ones who couldn't come back were uh, Matt Sinclair, who rest in peace, and uh, Eric LaSalle. Um, I think those are the two primaries who did not come back for this second this is the show. Two, right. I thought this was in there somewhere. Was she? I don't remember seeing her. Are you talking about uh, Lisa's sister? Yeah, Lisa's sister. I don't think Lisa's sister was in there. Damn, that's too bad. She was sexy. I'm going to go look for her again. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Um, But so um, Jaffe Jaffer is in the movie, James Earl Jones, but he's feeling like he's going to die soon. So he's like, yo, like since I'm going to die soon, I'm old. And since you failed me every step of the way here, Akeem, like now that his wife is gone, I'm just going to talk my shit. <laughs> now that you failed me every step of the way, can you at least let me have a funeral before I die? Which would have been funny, except for the fact that here's my one big problem with the movie. Not my one. Okay, one of the biggest problems I have with the movie. Does Zamunda have their own music? Um. Yeah, they have music. Because all they did was brought like 80s and 90s music well, over to a, Zamunda. That was a joke. That's like a... No, that, that and yes, no, definitely a joke, but... It makes sense. I mean, I mean, it makes sense to me. I kind of oh, got okay, it. Okay, make it make sense. Because it's a hit it, joke. Hit it off for me. It's a joke where it's like America's exports are what like the rest of the world listens to. And then the fact that this is a callback to the 80s. So it was like, this is the first time we're seeing everybody from them. So they're still banging with the stuff that they grew up with, just like we do. Like people who love 90s rap music are still banging with 90s rap music when they drive. People who for like sure. 80s music are still like, so it's that type of thing, which I thought okay. was kind of funny. Um, okay, let's talk about some of the quote unquote controversial things in this film. Oh, before we get there, let yeah. me say one thing. Whoever shot this movie did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. I don't know. I'm not sure who did, but I know every dark skinned person I saw, I was like, oh my God, they're beautiful. Like they Melody shot popping. They they I was like, man, they did a great job with whoever shot this. Okay. Absolutely. Um, this person is always controversial for some reason. Well, we know the reason, but she's always controversial. 
Uh, Jeff, what did you think of Leslie Jones as Mary Johnson? Uh, it was fine. It was just like a long extended Saturday night skit. <laughs> like it was, she was fine. What she had to do, like she didn't bother me or anything. I thought she was all right. Uh, Rashadi, I didn't like the way they retconned her into the story. I didn't. Like, okay, the story. I, yeah, like the yeah. the whole thing about you know while we're at the bar and you're talking, and I mean it. it I like the way, see, sitting back and thinking about it, it makes me smirk. It doesn't make me smile. Yes. It makes me smirk <laughs> exactly. at the audacity of them saying, while Eddie Murphy was talking to the woman who was being played by Arsenio Hall, Arsenio Hall snuck off and talked to Leslie Jones. Hey, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it made me smile because I'm like, that, that's kind of smart, the way they kind of, right? it's kind of smart. Yeah, it was like, okay. Oh, God. So that when I first saw it, I was like, "Come on now!" But now that you know, you think about it after a while, you're like, it's "Okay." Like Eddie was there by himself, so Semi was doing something. Exactly. Right. And <laughs> this is absolutely something Semi would do. Like, let's not pretend like this isn't something the character Semi would have done in that first movie. Oh, it's absolutely something he would have done. Um, so, I mean, Leslie Jones, I think that she was absolutely. I think she had a great time with this, and I love Leslie. And um, anytime she gets a chance to really shine and let her hair just hang down is great to me. I thought she was the best part, or one of the best parts of Ghostbusters. Um, I think that every scene she had in this movie, she did her damnest to, to steal it. So it was between her and, and, and Wesley Snipes to me as far as my favorite just, oh, I'm looking to see them every time they pop up in this film. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, I thought she was, I thought she was fine for what they asked her to do. I liked her chemistry with uh, Sherry Headley. Um, yeah, me too. That was cool to see. That was kind of like a girl's moment, which was good. Um, all right, this she didn't have much of a role, but it kind of shocked a lot of people, at least from what I saw on Twitter. Uh, what did y'all think about Tiana Taylor? Woo! In this film? Goddamn that outfit! The the costume director, the costume designer. Kudos to you, and it's not just on her; it's just on the entire entirety of what they were wearing. You know, um, the fact that there were no lions being flung over shoulders for this movie, and and everybody was dressed in just resplendent brilliance and and looked like royalty. Like this movie was, whew. but the pinnacle was the outfit they put on Tiana Taylor. I'm not gonna lie; like that outfit was astonishing. And um, I think she did a good job for what she was supposed to be doing, you know. Jeff? She is very gorgeous to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do y'all think she can parlay this into a real acting career? No. (laughs) Yes and no. I think with, hey, we got this character we want you to do for two minutes, three minutes. Yes. Heavy lifting in the movie, like, no, we need you to be a co-star. I don't know. I don't think so. But, I mean, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I just want to be a fly on the wall when they told her that, okay, one of your primary lines is going to be to quote line for line the words from Prince's Get Off. And then he's going to come to you and he's going to do Prince's rap from Get Off. That... 
I don't know. You're not going to besmirch Prince's name like that. Well, they were fair. You know, they, they were close. So I guess that was a, like a, you know, shout out to Prince or whatever. I'm sure yeah. was like, let's get this in there. Baby, you see, I'm a talented boy. Um, yeah, just not with that nigga. Not with. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I thought that Tayana was cool. Honestly, this movie was just the main story was a retread mm-hmm. of the first story just on the other side of the pond. Yeah, that's so, how a lot of sequels are. Yeah, and they took that and ran with it. Uh, I just think that they could have been a bit more adventurous. Like, the fact that um, Akeem, literally, in the first movie, had lost change so then he could marry Lisa, but then he's telling his daughter, I can't change rules. Like, why not? Your mom literally, your 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 wife literally got here because somebody changed the rules for you. Why can't you change the rules? Why are you saying you can't change the rules when you literally saw that it could be done? I, I believe the story was that he was becoming so much like his father, yeah, stubborn. That makes so sense to me. that's why. Yeah, I was, mean, you, it was it was one of those things to me where it was like he forgot how he got there. Yeah, and I would have never thought in that first movie when he was such a humble kid, such a humble guy or whatever. You would think he wouldn't have forgotten how he got he there because he was king. so in love with Lisa. But he became king, and also too, uh, three kids, a marriage, thirty years. You know, the shit changes, so it's like yeah. just you know lose your sight of what you used to be. For sure. Now I have been seeing a, since we're talking about a few different actors, actresses in this film. I've been seeing a lot of love for Marembe's character. I mean, Marembe Normand. I don't know how to say her name. Nam Zamo Mbatha. The person who was end up marrying Lavelle, she was wonderful. Yeah, she was cool. Yeah, a lot, I, I've been seeing a lot of people talk about her recently. For now, a, I can see her reasons. parlaying this into a bigger career. Oh, absolutely! Oh, I absolutely. can see her being in Black Panther two, doing mm-hmm. something. Yeah, she's go, she she was great. I thought she was really good um, mm-hmm. in this film. And you say you didn't like Tracy Morgan, Rashani. Do you just not like Tracy Morgan or you didn't like Tracy Morgan in here or both? No, I just don't like him. Um, (laughs) This is a first. I I like to hear this. I just I just don't. There are certain comedians who just never hit me and he just never hit me when he was on 30 Rock. He was just. And then when he was on the last OG, he was just. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I feel the same way about Tiffany Haddish to an extent. The way just, you talk, the way you talk about him is how I feel about DL Hughley. So I understand to a certain degree. Yeah, and you know what? It's not just it's not just this dude. It is Cat Williams. It is Tiff. I just if I don't get it, if it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit. But then when he comes over and he's in one of the movies that I'm supposed to be like, yo, this is gonna be one of my favorite movies of the year. It's like, God, this nigga. <laughs> so, so I see a pattern. You don't like that manic comedian, like just that ball of energy that keeps no. aggressively going, going. Because I know Tiffany Haddish. I've seen her stand ups and seen tons of Cat Williams stand ups. It seems like that energy that they just you know what? Yeah, yeah. It might be. It might be. It's just not my. You know, it's not my cup. It's not. And so when he showed up in this film, um, acting like you know. Tracy Morgan. I was like, yo, it's Tracy Morgan. And then I was like, it's more Tracy Morgan. He came back to Zamunda. And okay, this part is funny with Tracy Morgan and and Arsenio Hall talking back and forth over the newscast. 
but you know, by and large, he was just there. It, it wasn't like he was a, a integral part of the film. He was just a part of it. So once I got past him being there, I was able to block out his annoying ass voice and his just not funny stature and just move on with my life. Oh, bye. <laughs> oh, I just hurt today. <laughs> I mean, he ain't no wacky D. <laughs> Uh, there's a few scenes that here that were interesting. Uh, what y'all think about how they remade the barbershop scene with the old dudes? Was I... the white dude always Eddie? Yes. Yes. Okay, just making sure. So, they did a great job. He's always been so. Uh, you know oh, what would have been hilarious to me? What would have been hilarious? I'm sorry. Is if they had gotten Cuba Gooden Jr. back in that barber chair. Right? right That's the same thing I said. I was like, that would have been funny. But And then said that he was only like 29. <laughs> <laughs> it's reasons why we can't get him back, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they, I thought they did a good job reproducing that comedy for 2021 because I thought those mm-hmm. scenes were still funny, and they could have not been funny, and they kind of picked at that in the comedy of mm-hmm. like updating it. Well, mm-hmm. because one of them was like, "Oh, we're not going to do that. We're not going to talk about those people like that. He can get out of my barbershop. Yeah. Your ass, somebody to whoop his ass." <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was great um, in this film. I, I thought I thought they did a good job of trying to update the film to 2021 sensitivity, 2020 mm-hmm. sensitivity as well, while also yeah. not taking them, not going too far. You know what I mean? But you know, by still keeping the comedy, but not you know being aware that times have changed since yeah. 1985. They were super aware of it. You could tell. Mm-hmm. I do feel like they um, might have kind of overstepped or, or missed the, the 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 shot as far as their portrayal of Zamunda in, in a whole Africa um, by just trying to state that Africa as a whole still has this patriarchal law where women can't be anything. We can't get jobs. We can't do this. We can't do that. And it's like, are you sure that that's how that really works around here now? Like, Every place the woman is just there to be dowry and stuff like that, and it's just like y'all. Well, I think it, it was it, more so in the uh, the in the like what do, what do they call it? Um, what do they call like royal families? The not the crown. What do they call it? I think it was just like family in the lineage. I think it was just like depends on like how your king runs stuff, and I mm-hmm. think the way they were portraying Zamunda is that. You know, Eddie was just falling in line because he was trying to be like his daddy was still there. And when we saw King Jaffe, uh, King Jaffe, I hate saying this. When we saw Jaffe James Jaffe. Earl Jones, Jaffe Jaffer, I always say I always say King Jaffe Joe, but I know it's like an ended part today to that. And so <laughs> he was still hard on Eddie's ass, like he was still mm-hmm. hard on the King's ass. So I think the way that they had it was that, like you know. He's still in charge because this whole time he's still been in charge till that funeral, which I thought that scene was hilarious. Where I'm gonna have a funeral while I'm still alive, and then I'm gonna die, die now. I'm gonna die, and now. that nigga really died after he said I'm gonna die now. <laughs> <laughs> he said that shit like sweetness says, "Let's skate now." I'm gonna die now. Okay, I'm gone. That was but so yes, no. The thing is, yes, uh, Jaffa Jaffa was still the king of that of that you know of Zamunda, and so they would still have those same. Um, laws and ideals but next doria you know they had the same laws and ideals 
Like it was just an agreed upon thing. The women weren't going to do shit in any one of these places. And that was just, it just, it just poked me in my chest a little bit. I think it's like with no like, regional things. Like let's take real life, right? Like if you go to Saudi Arabia, right? The Middle East, mm-hmm. you know, the surrounding countries around there have very similar in a lot of ways, very similar cultural norms in regards to things like this, right? So I'm assuming, my assumption is in this film, it's that these countries in that region have these thoughts and that they needed to be pushed past those thoughts. And it took Lavelle to do it, I guess. Mm. Which, you know, I guess that I guess that makes sense because in the first film, it took Akeem to push... Um, King Jaffe Jafar to let her let him marry Lisa. So, you know, they recycled that back up. Um, what'd you think about Jeff? What'd you think about John Amos? He was, he, he, I, he brought it. I didn't think they were going to give him a, a long talking scene at his age, but they, they gave him a nice little scene. Uh, they absolutely better give James Evans a talking scene. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I thought he did a great job. It was good to see him in the movie and, you know, him being that, fatherly figure that that voice that Akeem needed to hear at that time was really good. I really enjoyed him. Is he ever not a father? Like, is he, I feel like he's always a father. He's always going to have a father line or he's just always a dad. Something old, he was like a pimp or something I saw him in. It was like an old 70s movie or something. But other than that, yeah, he's always like a father. Oh. And I mean, I I just love how I love how they made sure that you knew how in love he was with the queen. He was. Like, cool, I always cool thought your mom was the smartest one in the family, yeah. and what would your mom do in this situation? And yeah, that dude, he he was he was he was sprung. <laughs> I thought that was. I I don't know if anybody else caught that. I was just like, okay, yeah. Get <laughs> a little crush. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand it. Like oh, she absolutely. was, she was dope. So did you like the visuals of Zamunda, Rashandi? When they, oh, Lord, when they yeah. were showing like him going after the lion and all the different stuff that he had to do to become prince, so you saw a lot of Zamunda. Yeah, I mean, I really did enjoy. It was beautiful. Like everything was bright and, and beautiful, and 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 we were perfect. And that's the problem. <laughs> everything else is so perfect that you have nothing to blame this on if you don't like it but on the movie itself yeah like you can't blame the costuming you can't blame the 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 sets you can't blame the majority of the actors and actresses in the movie it's got to be the script yeah, or it's got you know so i, I thought that it, Go ahead, I'm sorry i thought that it was such a beautiful the daughters were perfect Arsenio was perfect I don't know why they had that nigga playing Rafiki in a second role but I mean okay I don't remember him being in the first film but I guess I just you know wanted to plug him into another spot I didn't like the Rafiki character so much because I found him to be grating but overall everything was dope and so when it didn't hit for me the way it was supposed to hit for me I really had to sit back and think about why and it's Come what happens the- when you get your ex- expectations up so high for something. Like when they tell you this is coming out in like December and you find out it's coming in December or it's coming out in December, but it's coming out in March. So you get your hopes up high for it and then you watch and you're like, hmm, you talk too much about this. It, 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 
it had a lot of hype. It had a lot to live up to. And mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, you just couldn't live it. You just couldn't meet those expectations that people wanted because you, you were getting them from both sides. You were getting them from older fans who grew up on coming to America and just loved those characters and loved that movie. And then you had the young people who were like, ah, yeah, I know it. My parents watch it. It's kind of funny, but they wanted their own thing. They were trying to like, have, you know, meet in between with two masters. And the story was fine. It's just, you just couldn't connect with nobody. I just say, you know what, coming to America is just like, it's a Nas album. You get your hopes <laughs> up and you sometimes you get disappointed. I did get what I wanted though, because Rashani knows this when we review coming to America. I did get awkward Eddie Murphy smiling at somebody weird, which was my favorite part in the first movie. When he would just be, he, when we reverted, Rashani was like, "Why were they so mean to him when he was just being such a nice person?" And I'm like, "Did you not see how weird he was just smiling at those two women in the in the restaurant? Like that shit's creepy as fuck." Yeah. This in this movie, he shows up right in New York and he puts on this Mets jacket with all these fucking pins on it. <laughs> stands outside, just stares at Lavelle with this stupid ass smile on his face. That shit was the funniest part of the movie to me because I really wanted to see him do that creepy ass smile, and he does that better than anybody. So that that was my favorite part of this film. Um, what I appreciated about this film um, was that they didn't dumb Lisa down. Oh no! The women in this film, and I think that it's completely underspoken, is that the women in this film are so strong. Mm-hmm. Like right. all of them, from Leslie Jones to to Lisa to the three daughters, all of them are so strong. And and it's not even quite as kept. The barber, she's so like it's not even quite as kept. They're just when Lisa's like, "Yo, my daughter's been ready for this shit for years." And you overlook her to find some new nigga that you just found out is out there in the streets. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of my room. And it I wasn't was like, okay, strong in the pejorative. It was strong as in like very good characters who stood up. Like at no point did they take any shit. And exactly, I thought it was great that they had Lisa and Mary get along in this film so well because like they were from the same avenue, the same block. If this was a film 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that would have been like home wrecker trying to come in and ruin my family. Like, you know, that whole like at odd shit. This film, they were like, yo, let's get some drinks together. Like, let's have a good time. And yeah, I thought that was got, very refreshing. She got upset when she said, I lost my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, a few years ago, they would have had that as like a whole little side story where they were trying to like one-up each other by doing petty shit back and forth. So I'm really happy that they decided to sidestep that and just be like, yo, we grew up on the same block. Let's get it. The one also, I like the fact that um that that uh, Leslie Jones got to be the one where they did the royal penises clean for uh, Akeem in the first yes. movie. They, yeah. they did that for her in the second one. She was like, I don't think you got it. You need to go back down there and go again. <laughs> I love this film. This also kids me, like, Eddie Murphy seems like he's coming back out to do, like, more things now. Because he was kind of, you know, chilling at home for a while. Because if I was Eddie and heard something how these folks were talking, he'd be like, you know what? I'm going back in the house. Because y'all just, <laughs> y'all Negroes ain't never happy. <laughs> But it tells me that he 
at least is trying to change with the times. Like if he had a lot of create, if he had a lot of creative input in this film, it tells me that he's at least aware that he's operating in 2021. And you can't say that about all comedians, especially comedians yeah. of his age, right? So he is cognizant of the times that he's in. Because I see that he's he's filming or he's supposed to be filming a Beverly Hills Cop four. So you know, again, so, they trying to do that again or doing that again. Okay, because so I know the, the TV show and all that shit happened with that. And so I mean, I hope it works out. Like yeah. I, Dolomite's my name was great. So that I love that movie. I but was it great? But is he gonna have Wesley Snipes in every one of his movies going forward? Because Wesley was great in Dolomite's My Name as well. So it's not just Eddie on his own. It wasn't. It wasn't Arsenio. Arsenio didn't do shit in Coming to America. To be completely no, honest with you, um, yeah, it was really Wesley Snipes bringing that fire in the accompanying role or in the uh, supporting role. Arsenio's so, kind of washed though. Like, what else has he done recently? Uh, let's see. Ooh, the last time I saw him was on that Dave Chappelle skit. Yeah, when the cheese was good. Yeah, that's the last thing I remember seeing him in. Not to say he didn't do anything he was else. In some just, TV show funny. called The Mayor, which I never saw. Oh yeah, I do remember that. It, it was uh, about a black kid who became the mayor of his uh, of his city. It got canceled quick. And then before that was Black Dynamite. <laughs> so like he hasn't really done shit in years. Um, so yeah, he's he's just kind of washed. But Eddie, I think Eddie's trying to make a little comeback. So you know that was good. Um, all right, before we get to the score. Um, what was your favorite scene of the film, Rashani? Probably, um, mm, eh, it's probably when Kiki Lane was out there kicking Wesley Snipes' ass. The battle scene at the end, uh, because that showed like like. It showed the Wesley Snipes finally got to use some of his karate in this in that very last scene, and you I, it, it had me thinking like you know what Wesley Snipes could whoop everybody's ass in this entire in your entire kingdom, uh, 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 Akeem. Like I, I see this happening, but um, then Kiki and and her sisters came out there and just fucked him up, like really Dora Milaje style. Um, yeah, Simi was there too to say his line about, you know, the rhinoceros balls or whatever it was. But nah, them three sisters led the way and whooped ass and, and she earned her keep. So that part made me smile. Um, the other scene that I'd say was one of my favorites was probably the uh, barbershop scene. Um, just because it, it that was nostalgia level 11. I mean, I didn't need to see that next part where they went to the uh, church, but that was another part of that whole. So that was all funny to me as a whole. Um, Jeff, what was your favorite scene? Um, I'll say two. Um, attack. I got two that was really funny. Uh, General Izzy showing up for the first time. <laughs> and him doing that dumbass walk. That stroll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And I think I really enjoyed just seeing uh, Randy Watson and Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> I thought it was just fun just seeing that. That was thought that was a cool, cool little moment right there because we know how how much the Randy Watson character was in the original. So for them to add it at the end of the movie, I thought it was really cool. Yes, we also got Reverend Brown back. Um, yeah, <laughs> as, as well at the end of the film. 
Um, all right, and then one last thing before we do the score. Do y'all think that there's going to be a third one? Mm-mm. I hope no. not. No. I think they're done. I, I, and I honestly think that as far as Eddie Murphy's, con- you know, I think he's like, okay, y'all, you know, y'all wanted this for years. We gave it to y'all. I'm done. Whatever. Now, if somebody else want to remake it, reboot it, or bring a third one, I'll be on them. Yeah. How old is Eddie Murphy? Let me see. Old enough to know better, but young enough to not care. Something. Like in the 60s, right? 1961. Born in 61. It is 2021. He is 50. Mm. One Or 60. Yeah, he's 59. 60. He's 60 even in a few days. Yeah, he'll be 60 in a couple weeks. So, yeah. So, he's 60. So Don't look it. No, he don't. Uh, he looks good. Where is he? So you think- oh no, I don't know. He 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 had a few times there where my beloved wife and I were like, "Is he gonna tuck that stomach in?" Like oh, it wasn't even when he was Randy Watson. It was just when he was King of Keem. It was just like, "Is is his is his robe out?" <laughs> my wife said the same thing. I just said, "Stop it!" It's thirty years later. Yeah, but be- he's but he's got he's got sixty year old like he's got that sixty yeah. year old stomach, and so I don't think that you know. That's fine. Yeah, he earned it. So yeah. do y'all think he's going to keep this up? You think we get, you know, Nutty Professor, Nutty be, Professor would, 3 or whatever? I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know, if the uh, Beverly Hills Cops 4 thing doesn't pan out, then he just wants to do something new. Mm-hmm. Just to try something new and, and, you know, stop going back to the same old thing. Because eventually that's going to be a thing and people will be like, oh, wait, he just keep going back to the well. And so he may try something new. Rashani, what do you think? I think he should just, you know, live off his money, <laughs> actually be a good father, Uh-oh. and um, let the young folks handle this. We're going to let the band take care of this going forward. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I think that this should be the era where if you're putting out a sequel, like Coming to America, or... Beverly Hills Cop 4 for whatever reason. It is simply to pass the torch like they did in Bad Boys for Life. Just pass the torch. That way, if there's a sequel, we already have somebody established. So if they do another Coming to America, it's going to be about his son being the American um, ambassador. You know, ambassador and his daughter running Zamunda. I'm cool with that. What you know, man, The movie didn't end like that, like they said. Because the sister was like, oh, you really going to go back yeah, he he was like, man, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm like, uh, I guess he'll still be there in Zamunda. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, because she didn't want to go. She's like, this is my home. <laughs> we stay here. I guess he goes. He, you know, he goes to America for like, you know, meetings and shit, <laughs> whatever. But he's still living in Zamunda, which you know, I mean, it's kind of he looked like he kind of got a nice life. He kind of hit the lottery. He did. So yeah, he did. All right, uh, Rashani, out of the 10, 1 to 10, what do you give this film? Be nice. I don't, nah, not on this show. This is, this is, this is, I've given niggas zeros like a few oh, times. Oh, my God. Um, but honestly. You gave a 10, though. No, nah, you lying on a nigga's name. Um, I would give this a six. It's a six movie. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it aimed for. Well, the six, I will literally give it, you know what? I will give it a range 
four to six, depending on who you're watching it with, depending on what's going on when you're watching it, depending on how you're feeling when you're watching it, four to six range. That's it. I think that's a good, clean number. And I think that's what Eddie wanted. I think he knew he'd make money off of this. I think that they did a good job in developing some people. They didn't develop other people enough. Um, they overdid some jokes that didn't need to be drawn out nearly as long as they were, like Arsenio Hall's Rafiki character. But by and large, it did what it was supposed to do. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a movie that you could show for the old people who can't sit outside during barbecues. Mm-hmm. That's really it. Ten years from now. Your, 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 your mama don't want to sit outside in the barbecue in the barbecue heat because it's like 100 degrees or whatever. She can go inside with the rest of the old folks, sit there and watch Coming to America and laugh with her friends and family. That's what this movie's made for. One of the homies, uh, Brandon's cousin, wanted to watch this with his father. That's what this movie is made for. It is literally nostalgia in a two-hour package. I'm okay with that. Four to six. By the way, just to say this, I just looked up Superfly because I brought it up. Superfly actually has a higher rating of Rotten Tomatoes than this, which Good because Lord. it was because it was seen in the theaters. What is wrong with people? <laughs> it was seen in the theaters, and folks were able to establish their own thoughts. I think I gave Superfly a. a, a I know I gave it a low score. You gave it a zero. Oh, Lord. Okay. It deserved it. I said the Superfly was a fever dream of the nigga from Gronish. Now you can't see it because in Gronish, he plays that the senior um, in the group, whatever. And so he's always getting put upon by everybody else. But in his dreams, he's priest, a pimp who takes no shit and has all the answers. Zero out of ten. I hate that movie. I hate that movie with the magical Negro. No, 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 no. That movie's just awful. And the Snow Patrol. <laughs> Snow Patrol is the best part. Um, oh, God. Uh, Jeff, out of zero out of ten, what do you give this film? Uh, I'm gonna go with a strong six. Six, yep, that's it. Yeah, that's where I was. This is a six. This is yeah. a bet. This is worth watching, but it's not great. Um, and it's also not horrible either. It's it's a fun movie. Uh, it'll make you smile. Um, and if for no other reason, just to give uh, Wesley Snipes. His credit. Oh God! Yeah. Go watch this MVP. film because that man. So that man was having a lot of fun filming this movie. <laughs> I, and I think that's what it's become. Like his career has turned. Look at how his career has been. So he's had one of those careers. It's like wow. That I don't even think he's like. Look, he looks at Hollywood now. Like you know what? I'm gonna have fun. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna have fun with it. Because you know, before I thought you know Marvel's never gonna bring him back for Bleed. Now. I'm like they're absolutely gonna. He's absolutely gonna have a cameo in that movie of something. Oh yeah, it's no question. You ain't got to worry about it. He's gonna, he's gonna have a role. He's gonna have a role in this film. He's just he's just he, from Dolomite to this. He's been too good for them not to put him in there at all. He's also in a movie coming up this year called Outbreak Z, which sounds like a zombie movie. Zombie movie has to be. <laughs> and I, that shit sounds hilarious. That he's gonna be in a fucking zombie movie. Uh, so yeah, you know, go watch, go watch this to see, among other things, Wesley Snipes, um, chew up the whole scene uh, every time he steps on the screen. Um, all right, yeah, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for coming on and starting to do this with us. Uh, hopefully, 
we'll continue doing these. Rashani and I uh, and Jeff hopefully will be back soon. I don't know what we got coming up. Oh, actually, I do. I hopefully, at some juncture, we can do Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, I watched Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't know why I haven't watched. Did you watch that, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's off today. I think today's the last day. I think today's the last day. You can, why are you thinking, nigga, telling you to watch it? Oh, oh, today's the last day. Oh, I might have to go. You're watch welcome. It. Also, also, here's the way I look at this movie: not Judas and the Black Messiah, but Coming to America. And when I walk out of movie theaters back in the day, when that used to happen. I would walk out of movie theaters and I would know in my head ex- immediately whether I was buying this movie or not. Whether this is a pre-order movie or not, whether this is a movie I was buying or not. And this ranged from everything from Avengers Endgame to Isle of Dogs. I knew whether I was going to buy the movie or not. With Coming to America, I didn't feel that urge. You know, with Soul, I did. Soul, I definitely felt the urge to buy that movie. Just to show respect. Like, it's almost like raising your glass to the chef. Coming to America, it was just like, you know, that was that was, that was was a thing. It happened. I'm no better nor no worse for it. I don't think I'm going to buy it, though. When they choose to take it off Amazon, I don't think I will even think about renting it. It's just a sequel to a classic that... Didn't hold its own, but it held its place. Yeah, I think the next big movie is Godzilla versus Kong. I think that's it. I think the next big movie is a Snyder Cut. Oh fuck yeah! I forgot about the Snyder, Snyder Cut, Cut niggas. Yeah, <laughs> you as much as you try to ignore it, you can't. That's the biggest <laughs> movie coming out now. I forgot the four Snyder hour Cut war, niggas. <laughs> and they put the Snyder Cut out the day before. Um, Captain, Cat, uh, Captain America, yeah, Falcon, yeah. which is just fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hilarious. I, you know, I have gotten kind of a, a, a reputation for being somebody who tears movies apart. This movie will fucking deserve it. I am so excited. I never get to hate on movies with Brandon's approval. Whenever I hate on a movie, Brandon loves it. I'm just like. Licking my chops for this one. Yeah, but this is thing. insane. You're not going to be able to hate on it. You're just going to be mad. I guarantee you. <laughs> I guarantee you. You're just going to be mad that you sat and watched four hours of that shit. Like, I already know what's going to happen. Let me ask y'all a question. How many movies have got to redo? Like, let's run it back. <laughs> nah. Well, <laughs> I, I, nah, I got to go home, fam, so y'all can just pick somebody else up. All right, come back in, Zach. We got you. He's not he even act- talking about a remake, y'all. He's literally, this is a redo. It's a redo. Like, oops. Let me shoot it again. It's no going to be the same fucking movie. It's going to be the same movie with some random scenes that didn't need to be there because you How cut scenes out Joker? of every movie. There is no four-hour movie. That doesn't exist. You sh- you may shoot four hours worth of movie, and then you go to what's called editing, <laughs> and you edit the fucking movie. <laughs> Uh, the problem, Lays, is I don't know who he knows at Warner Brothers or whatever. And initially, when we first heard all this stuff, it was, I didn't get my movie done. But all the actors and people around were saying, I saw the Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Okay, you saw it. You said it's phenomenal. Why he need all this money to do reshoots? Because there was no Snyder Cut. There That's never what I'm was saying. a fucking he, Snyder Cut. That man's a pimp. In another lifetime, he was a pimp. Because I don't know how he pulled this. Now, this is amazing. Now they're talking about they want the Ayers cut of fucking Suicide Squad. Nope. No. No. Now they're talking about, oh, we're really thinking about having Zach do Wonder Woman 3. What? 
No, that's not happening. They're not going. <laughs> Warner Brothers is not going back to that. And, and and you know how I know that? Because they said they're not doing a sequel to Justice League, even though Zack said that this movie's going to end on a cliffhanger. Which, what is the entire fucking point of watching a four-hour movie that's not getting a sequel that ends on a cliffhanger? Because what he's expecting is for us as the viewers to start championing, just like everybody said, release the Snyder Cut. Oh, we want, it, we want Justice League 2. That's what he's banking on. It's not going to happen. What does he think this is, Inception? Like, I never thought I've never seen a movie get a redo before, so I, I'm not even gonna say, man, this is gonna be fun Thursday. I don't know if I'm gonna finish the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch half of it at least. Man, I'm gonna try to watch that thing, and I I know, man. Oh my god, because I remember watching that first one pissed me off so much. I got to see it early, and I went and watched this. And I'm in sometimes when you go to screeners, they have like they have like hardcore fans, right? So like. You can go on certain websites and get um, screeners. You can get um, tickets to screeners, but it's not like tickets. It's like you show up there, and then it's like first come, first serve. So it's like a long-ass line, and then, you know, they let a certain amount of people in, and then they cut you off and say nobody else can come in, right? So usually the people who wait in these long-ass lines for the initial screeners are like people who really want to see these movies. So I'm in this Justice League thing watching this shit, and I'm fucking pissed. I'm just watching this just angry. And the, and the rest of the crowd is having a great time. I'm like, yo, what are y'all watching? And then the movie gets panned, right? It gets panned, as it deserves. And then I look up a few months later, and I see this push for a Snyder Cut. And then a year later, and then I hear Warner Brothers is actually going to let this man do this shit. And all I want, listen, me and Rashani talked about this before you got on, Jeff. Zack Snyder, from all I hear, is a super nice guy. He has some fucked up shit happening in his life that's not cool. Mm-hmm. And apparently everybody who knows him says he's a good dude. Like every all the actors that worked with him in his current DC movies, his past movies, they all say he's a really, really good dude, which I probably yep. believe. I believe. But mm-hmm. hey, man, they gave this man almost $100 million to redo a movie. That, they, what, <laughs> that they're going to release on HBO Max. Everything you're saying is right. I've heard the same thing about him. I heard Batista talk about him. That's why I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to that zombie movie that's coming out. Um, and I, I I think that's going to be great. But as far as this goes and just this movie, I'm not going to talk about his past work or anything like that. I just don't understand the need for it. There's no need for it. Nope. I think it was a minority screaming out for it and the minority won. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be telling come Thursday. I know what's going to happen Thursday. There's a zero chance that this is a better movie. I think it may be worse. Yes, there's no, there's no chance this is a good movie. That's what I said. I was like, there's 0% chance this is a good movie. There is a chance that this is a comedy, and you can laugh at it and have a great time talking about it and killing it with your friends. But I just, I just set the brightness to my screens to be something where I could actually see shit. Now I got to go back into this dark ass universe for four hours. Some <laughs> bullshit. And after I saw the pictures of the Martian Manhunter, I said, "Yep, I know what type of movie this gonna be." Oh my god, that was so bad. He looked worse than fucking Super uh, Supergirl. I was like, "How do you get it right on CW and get it so wrong for movies?" Like, I don't, what? I don't. I don't I, you know what I think should happen. Going forward, and I think I've said this before, but still, going forward, have Zack Snyder write whatever movie he wants to write. That's cool. Whatever. You know, I don't give a fuck. And then give it to DC Animation. And have them make it into an actually great cartoon. Well, the problem is not with DC. It's that 
Warner Brothers doesn't give a shit about DC animated mm-hmm. movies because it just goes straight to DVD or straight to streaming. Warner Brothers is what fucks these movies up. They get involved in these movies and fucks it all, fuck them all up. They don't care about those movies, and that's why those movies are good. They'll never not care about these movies, which they need to not care about, and just let the DC people make the movies that they want to make. Not that DC's perfect, but a lot of this is Warner Brothers' um, thing. And here's the thing. Here's the last thing I'll say about this. I will never forgive Zack Snyder for wasting two of my favorite black actors. He has Joe Morgan, Morton from Scandal, Papa Pope. He has Joe Morton, and he has Henry Lennox, like the black dude from the blacklist. Barack Obama. And, <laughs> yes. He's got those two people in his movies. They've been in multiple movies now, two or three movies now, and done nothing. Apparently, Henry Lennox is Martian Manhunter, so we'll see him appear as Martian Manhunter. But Joe Morton and Henry Lennox have done nothing for three movies. Nothing. They had him be Silas Stone. If you watch the cartoons, Cyborg's dad is a whole asshole. He is terrible. You could definitely do a lot with him. And Joe Morton, I can't think of better casting than an asshole dad, than Joe Mm -hmm. Morton. (laughs) He is the worst asshole dad in the world. And he's just been wasted in this film. I didn't even get a, can I get a Papa Pope? Uh, maybe, listen, all right, here's how they can redeem this Snyder Cut for me. If Josh Whedon cut out a Papa Pope monologue of Silas talking shit to Cyborg in this film, and we get that in the Snyder Cut, I will forgive him. That'll make my day. I don't think that's going to happen, but I will forgive him. I hope I'm wrong about all this. I really do hope I'm wrong. And You're I'm not. the first one to say I was wrong. Neither of you are wrong, and, and I am just... Not looking forward to um, getting back from practice at six o'clock in the evening and knowing that my entire evening is sewn up until fucking 10 o'clock because of Ooh. Zack Snyder. Like, let's put that in perspective. Oh, <laughs> I can't even go cook dinner because I got to watch the Zack Snyder cut. <laughs> All this man had to do was say, you know what? We'll bring the first half out Thursday. Then next Thursday, we'll bring the second half out. Oh, niggas wouldn't have came back. You know, it's worse. That may that. be true, too. You know, it's worse. Than that. Be They're true. making a black and white version of the film, too. Yeah, I heard. Because it's shiny and chrome. I, I don't know nobody who loved the Justice League movie that much. To, just whatever. <laughs> whatever. You know what? I'm still trying to think of what happened in the fucking Justice League movie. I believe they fought against a nigga that I didn't care about. Steppenwolf, who in the cartoon. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, Wonder Woman wasn't the same character she was in uh, her own movie. Mm-hmm. Flash runs really weird for some reason. And he has blue mm-hmm. light. The best thing about the movies was Bruce and Ben Affleck, and I will take that to the grave. That's the best thing about the movie. Well, you're biased, so. Well, that too, but still, that was the best thing about the movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ben Affleck was a good Batman, I'm not going to lie. They wasted him too, which, you know. Yeah, totally. They wasted and, uh, him. Just go back and look at Superman. Oh, God, never mind. I'm not even going to this rabbit hole. Uh, Jeff, tell mm-hmm. them where they can find you and what you got coming up on Jeff vs. the World. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Jeff vs. the World podcast, uh, where me, it's predominantly a movie review show. Uh, I do have a wrestling show on the side, too. But me and my man Shahid do, do hood, hood classics, where we review a bunch of movies. Just any movie we feel, we're going to do that week. Uh, we just review it. This week, we are doing 1990s Total Recall, Arnold Schwarzenegger, which, man, that movie still holds up. And it's 2021, and it's so, it holds up so well. Um but yeah, uh, Hood Classics, we do movies. I also have my wrestling, I Am Not Dave Wrestling uh, podcast where I do with my man Manny. 
Uh, we should be back doing the podcast at the end of the month after the uh, pay-per-view or special, whatever WWE is called now. Uh, that's what we'll do that. And you can find me on Twitter at Jeff versus the world. Uh, I have a fan book page, a fan page on Facebook, Jeff versus the world. And you can find me on Instagram at the real Jeff versus the world. And you can find the show anywhere you listen to pod, your podcast. And after the- oh, I, I do have a question while I got you here. The I am not Dave podcast. Is that referring to Dave Meltzer? You got it. Groovy. Just wanted to make sure. Oh, I'll tell you the story after uh, this is over, how that name came. For sure. And that's after doing the exploding uh, pixie torch um, barbed wire <laughs> deathmatch review, right? Yeah, that was that was something. <laughs> that was no bad for those guys. That was that was definitely something. Um, yeah, uh, Rashani, you got anything, dude? So since I've been gone, um, I've created like three other podcasts. Um, let's see hindsight which i think we were doing during the time we were doing why so serious so hindsight is still going great we just put out the clue episode it's not about dj clue it's about the movie clue uh from the 80s Uh, it's really tim curry and friends never seen uh it's a it's a mystery movie based on a board game with like a million jokes stuffed inside of an hour and 30 minutes and it's manic as fuck um then I have with Brandon uh, the Return to Oswald podcast, which Brandon's never seen Oz, so we're living vicariously through his horror uh, while also discussing every episode. It's really dope. I really enjoy that show. Like it's it's it, it's my show, but it's honestly grown on me. Um, discussing each episode because we really deep dive into certain things. Like last episode, I think we did a deep dive on what? Um, oh, like sex offenders. Yeah, sex offenders and whether or not they should be forgiven after they get out of prison. Um, because there's a part where this guy, this priest who's a sexual offender is about to get out of jail and folks are like, he shouldn't be able to go out and have a real life. And and another guy sitting next to him was like, dude, you're a murderer. Like, you get to get out of jail and have a real life? Why can't he? So it was a really interesting conversation. Um, and then the last show that I started recently is Ratchet Book Club where I read hood classics and good classics. Uh, the first book I read was Old Thought Next Door, <laughs> which was about a 71-year-old woman who was sex positive. Um, and now I'm reading uh, The Coldest Winter Ever. Um, and it's just really interesting to, I read a chapter and then I discuss that chapter. And usually there's like one or two chapters in each episode. But it's really interesting to go back and see how old books um, how much, how many things went over our heads or, or discuss what the authors were thinking of when they presented this uh, story to you and what their mindset was, things of that nature. Um, so yeah, and then Consistently Good is still dope. You know, we're starting our meal prep plan. Uh, probably, what week is this? We'll be starting that the first week in April. So that's exciting. I already got like five clients lined up for that. So we're going from there. We're doing good. And Devin is getting better every day. Thank you all for your uh, prayers and well wishes and, and and messages. We really do appreciate it. It was scary uh, in the event of, but now we're more trying to uh, get other people aware of what happened to him so then it doesn't happen to them or their children. 
So yeah, if you want more information on that, honestly, just uh, go to my Twitter uh, feed, which is at Rashani, R-A-S-H-A-N-I-I. Um, it's the pinned tweet because it's, I laid it all out there, but yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm I'm in the process of shaming Rashani into watch finishing Kirby enthusiasm because he, doesn't, yes, he, he, doesn't yes, he should, because he doesn't understand how great it is. Oh, nigga just trying to make fetch happen and fetch ain't happening. He can't get past season one, Jeff. And I, keep I got past season one, and now I'm stuck in the first four episodes of season two. I keep telling the shit them. is look. Here's the thing, Brandon. Here's what I realize about myself. I have this problem where I can't watch somebody being embarrassed. Oh, did you can't watch film. the show? Oh wait. Okay. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like I feel secondhand embarrassment for people and I just feel so badly like the point where that, like I said, the part where I literally had to stop watching Jeff was where he found out that Jeff, his agent had a, um, a black doctor and he told his agent that it must be an affirmative action thing while the black dude was literally standing right there. Yep. And the black dude was like, what the fuck did you just say? Yeah. And he was like, yo, I didn't mean it. So then they go through this whole thing and they end up going to a party where he thinks something good is going to happen for him. And it's a party at the black doctor's house. And the black doctor at first is like, it's all good. But then this other black woman who... Yep. This dude is just like just <laughs> fucked over on accident too. Pops up and is like, "Yo, this motherfucker right here is racist." And it was funny. I'm not gonna front that part had me chuckling a bit, but at the same time, the anxiety just started building I up. I wish you would have told like, me this. I would have said, oh, "I get it." That's all this show is. All yeah, this, it. the entire show is to make you uncomfortable. It <laughs> makes me so uncomfortable, Larry and. Larry David is such a horrible fucking person. He gets himself in shit and then he doesn't understand why he's in the shit. He's so confused. You know what? I will make a deal with y'all. I will make a deal with you. Real talk. I will watch this show and I will cringe through it. And then I'm going to tell y'all the cringeworthy parts that I had because it's a lot. That's the whole show. I wish you'd have told me that because I completely understand what you're saying now. But that's the beauty. That's what we love about the show. It's it makes you so uncomfortable at times watching the show. Like this, I cry for TV characters. This is not my kind of show. Because Larry has no shame. He has zero shame in the show. Because he always thinks he's right. That's the funny thing. And when he's when he finally realizes he's wrong, it's too late. It's too late. And even sometimes when he's right, then shit goes bad for him. <laughs> then then yeah. it's like something fucked up happens that he didn't plan for. It's so, so like the episodes, the episodes where there's nothing, and this is honest, the episodes that I've experienced where nothing cringeworthy happens, like the one with the jewelry store in the first season with him and Richard Richard Lewis. Whatever the fuck that Richard Lewis. Yeah. The jewel the jewel the bracelet that he wants to get for his wife and and Richard wants to get the same bracelet or whatever. That wasn't cringeworthy. That was funny to me. That episode. There's a lot hit of petty shit like there's a lot of petty shit like that in the series. Because I can do petty, I just can't do embarrassing. The series is full of pettiness and cringe. That's the entire show. That's so how are you how are you with the office? 
Can you watch The Office? You know what? I made it through The Office because the dude uh, that nobody liked was fucking funny. But I thought that the that Jack or whatever his name is, the one who was Jack Ryan, um, yeah, I thought that he was fucked up. I thought that um, the way that they treated Toby was incredibly fucked up. Like I got mad every time that they, every time they bullied Toby, like that got on my fucking nerves every time. Um, And so it just, there were certain things that I just, but then that lead, the the guy who was supposed to be the villain in the show, I guess the one, when they had the fucking fire alarm and he was like, they didn't listen to my, what I told them about how to do a fucking fire alarm or what to do in case of a fire. So we're going to do a live story. (laughs) He set the building on fire. Yeah. Dwight. Wow. That shit was hilarious to me. So. Okay. I I get it. I get it now. I get, I I can understand why you, you know, curb your enthusiasm. Now that you say that, I get it because that's, it only gets worse. Yeah, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse and worse. <laughs> worse and worse and worse. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I literally like my wife and I will be sitting there watching a show together. Even like MTV's the challenge. We're watching that now, and so we'll get to a point where somebody is being embarrassed or something. I gotta pull the sheet over my face so I don't see it. It's worse <laughs> than a horror movie for me. I don't hide my eyes on any horror movie, but when somebody is going through something or being bullied or something like that, it hurts my soul. I can't do it. I literally physically am unable to do it, but I'll, I'll keep trying. I mean, I, I will, and I'm gonna I'm get gonna through, through the show. With you, but it just gets fucking worse. You keep saying it gets worse. That is not the now I'm rubbing my legs, fam. Like this. Yeah. I can tell you already, he's not like each season just gets progressively worse. There's parts of this show where you're literally just like this. Like you're just like Larry. You're like, Larry, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. like you're talking to the TV. And then of course yeah. he fucking does it. Because he oh. of course he's gonna do it. There and you know what's funny not to spoil the show part, but there's an episode in the show, right? There's an episode later in the season, later in later seasons, where like Larry's talking to, uh, he goes over Jeff's house and he's talking to Jeff's daughter, and Jeff's daughter comes to him, and wants him to do something, and he goes, "Why are you asking me this?" And he's like, "Because you have no shame. You'll just say anything to anybody, anytime, <laughs> no matter how fucking awkward it is." And so, like, I want you to do this for me because you're the only person who can say it. <laughs> because even the characters in the show knows that that's how the show is. And you know what's funny about it that isn't really funny is that's the way that I am. Like, I will say something if it needs to be said, but at the same time, seeing somebody else go through it, it's just like, oh, God. Yeah. I just feel for him so much that I'm just like, I can't handle it. But, I mean, what's going to happen is this. I'll start watching with my wife. She's going to fall in love with it. I'm going to have to power through it. The end. Same. Yeah. Same thing. My, I showed it to my wife one time, and then she always talks about it. So, yeah. mm-hmm. same. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I watched it from when it first came on, and then I met my wife, and <laughs> I was like, "Brandy, you, know, like, you got to watch this." And she's like, oh, "I don't really watch that shit." I'm like, "I didn't like." She's like, "I didn't watch Seinfeld like that." I'm like, "You got to watch it," and now she yeah. fucking loves it. <laughs> so you know, the thing is, I, I'm doing a really, I'm, I'm examining myself, and I've realized the things that make me cringe the most are things that I wouldn't cringe at in real life. Like, I mean, people being bullied, yes. But the other ones that I'm just like, fuck this shit, white women tears. 
that's really it. Like, I'm just like, I can't. I can't. Like, if there's a scene where somebody's crying because, like, fake tears or something like that, I can't do it. I can't. I get mad. I don't even get sad for him or cringy. I'm just like, why the fuck are you doing that? And I just change the channel. But for Larry David, it's just, he just keeps stepping in so much shit. And then he drags his feet in somebody else's carpet. <laughs> like, over and over again. That's all I see. And when they were like, tell the joke you told to... You know, why don't you tell him the joke you told him? Why don't you go ahead and tell that joke? I'm like, Larry, if you tell that joke, they're going to fucking murder you. (laughs) You can't tell that fucking joke. Well, you know, and he tells it. And I'm like, why the fuck would you tell a house full of black folks that you think that their son, their favorite child, made it this far on affirmative action? Like, how the fuck? Who wrote this? And then I realized it was Larry. Yes. Also, I never, I, I never really got behind Seinfeld, so that may also be a thing. Um, we can agree on that, sir. I don't understand the fascination, and I shout out to people who do Wale and yeah. a couple of my friends. They, they'll die for that show, but I'm just like, yeah, okay. There's also an episode later down the road called Palestinian Chicken, which is literally my favorite episode of television ever. So I'm gonna get to just it. Just let you know. I promise you, I'm gonna get to it. I, I just ain't gonna like it. We went long, but no, Jeff, thanks for joining us. Um, so for Jeff, make sure you go check him out, Jeff vs. the World, uh, anywhere you get your podcast at. Make sure you go check out all of Rashani's shit that he's doing, because uh, he's it. always doing he's Love always doing block. a bunch of good stuff. And uh, we'll be back probably for the Snyder Cut. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Can we? Okay, so we're not going to do a full review of this movie because everybody's seen this movie before. Like, please, no. when y'all watch this movie, just keep in mind that it fucking sucked the first time around. So don't expect magic the second time. Nah, I'm, I'm going to shoot it better this time. My hands got <laughs> slippery. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so for Jeff and Rashani, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to y'all later. Peace.